0: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision Our special guest today says, when Jesus spoke about the Kingdom of God, He wasn't talking about a place set aside for us in the sky when we die. He was talking about the very rule of God right here on earth. An opportunity today to talk about the Kingdom of God with the author of a new book called Bending Towards Justice, how Jesus is more relevant than ever in the 21st century. Author Nils von Kamm says if Jesus really is who he said he is and if we really believe it, then it has to affect every aspect of existence from our relationships to our politics, our economics, our sexuality, and our care for the earth. Now, these must all be central gospel issues and not optional add-ons to the so-called real issue of getting people into heaven. Nils von Kamm is a Christian freelance writer and teacher of Christian theology. He's joining us from Melbourne today. Nils, a special welcome along to 2020. Thank you very much, Neil. It's great to be with you. Nils, it is for some people quite a confusing subject, isn't it, to talk about the kingdom because there's lots of different dimensions to the kingdom. So I guess we should start by talking about the kingdom. Uh, what are your thoughts for sometimes the confusion that that exists around the idea of the kingdom of God?
1: I think it goes back to, mean, um, certainly when I grew up in the church, the, the kingdom of, of God or the kingdom of heaven, as, as the Gospel of Matthew says it, was basically taught as the place you go when you die. Um, and the, the idea of Christian mission was to um, evangelize and to get people to say the sinner's prayer and to invite Jesus into their hearts. And it was all, all about the future um, and about avoiding the other place, um, an eternal fiery uh, uh, torment and getting into heaven. And... I think Jesus spoke about something very differently when he talked about the kingdom. So in the prayer that he taught us to pray, uh, which we call the Lord's Prayer, he says, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And he he also said that um, uh, the kingdom of God is among you uh, to to various people. And through his life, death, um, and his resurrection, uh, the kingdom of God has come into the world and has broken into the world in, in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus and that's how I see it so in terms of the question of is it for now or in the future it's actually both I think it certainly is for now You know, we, we are to live out and to follow Jesus I mean Jesus spoke about the kingdom more than a hundred times in the gospels it's, it's mentioned that often um, and but it also is uh, in the future so people talk about the now and not yet nature of kingdom so in Jesus the kingdom has come and for us as Christian believers our role is to follow Jesus and and be co-creators of that kingdom with God on earth Um, but then it'll be fully realized only when Jesus returns as we see in um, in Revelation 21.
0: Wow the now and the not yet and it's interesting isn't it that I suspect that some of the confusion comes because we want to choose one or the other, and oftentimes we'll choose the one for the future, but neglecting then the power of what the kingdom brings now. And uh, this is an interesting aspect because if we get that bit wrong, then we're going to be living our lives in perhaps a different way. This is how important all this is, Nils.
1: Certainly is. Yeah, it has major implications for what is Christian mission. Uh, if we believe that the kingdom is all about the future, then our our focus on mission will be, as I said before, just to to evangelize um, and to get people um, into heaven and things like working for the end of poverty, um working for things like social justice, those things will be nice, but they won't be as important as the so called eternal uh, issue of of people's salvation, people's eternal destiny. However, if we see the kingdom as something that has come into the world in Jesus and we are to follow Jesus in in working for that kingdom now, then it certainly is relevant for issues of evangelism um, as well, but also issues like justice, issues like the end of poverty, um, domestic violence, all sorts of things, all sorts of issues. They are all relevant gospel issues, and as the book mentions too, if If Jesus is really who he says he is, if he is the center of everything, you know, the creator of all, then he has to be relevant to all of life.
0: Interesting to hear when people want to take a position on what the relevance is to mission, uh, you know, because there are some, as you say, and I think rightly so, uh, that uh, that there are some who will see the ultimate mission is to get people across the line, uh, to say that sinner's prayer, to convert into God's kingdom, and they'd see that as the actual ultimate goal. But, but you're saying there is a dimension here that you can't afford to miss, and that is what happens once you're across the line, once you've prayed the sinner's prayer, once you're in the kingdom, because now you are an influence in the kingdom. Uh, sometimes we might talk about the kingdom of God being with us, and wherever we go, we take the kingdom. So the kingdom has to have some sort of effect, some sort of influence, and this is, I think, a dimension you're saying we ought not to miss.
1: That's that's definitely correct, Neil, yeah. It's, um, it's, I think if we focus um, as our main priority on just evangelism, um, and that's perfectly legitimate um, evangelism, but, you know, I'm all for that as well. But I think if we focus mainly and solely as that as the primary thing, we actually shortchange the gospel. I think the gospel is actually much bigger than many of us have been taught or many of us have thought or even think. Um, because when, when, when Jesus gave what we call the Great Commission in Matthew 28, he said to go out and make disciples. Well, what is a disciple? A disciple is someone who sits at the foot of their master and imitates imitates them. And Jesus told his disciples to imitate him and to follow him and to to go out and live out the greatest command, which was to love God and love your neighbor. And that includes loving our enemies as well. So that includes life in the here and now. So if, if the greatest commandments are to love God and love our neighbor, which Jesus said cover a whole war on the prophets, uh, which he also said was about doing unto others as we want them to do for us then that is what life is about. That is what following Jesus is really about.
0: Nils, sometimes when we talk about doing a study on the kingdom of God, we'll say, well, we have the whole Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament, and uh, we'd start at the beginning and we'd uh, finish at the end and we'd talk about the kingdom. But Jesus taught about the kingdom. And uh, as I often say to people, you know, treat the words in red as very, very important, like a starting point. For you is a discussion of the kingdom a best starting point with how Jesus sees the kingdom? Most definitely.
1: I think um, we we often, I think, we tend to make the mistake, and I've done this throughout my life a lot, that we we don't focus enough on those red letters. Um, I think we need to read the Bible through the lens of Jesus. And so and that, that includes the Old Testament. Everything points to who Jesus is. Jesus um, is the fullest revelation of God that we have. And so, um, as we see in his in the transfiguration, you know, where we see the the image of Moses and Elijah representing the war and the prophets, um that the voice from the cloud says, "This is my son, listen to him. He's the one to listen to." And so we we need to read the scriptures through the lens of Jesus, and that means those red letters are very important, and are, you know more than very important they're they're centrally uh, important.
0: And as you say, he mentions it more than anything else in the Gospels. So to avoid the effects of the kingdom when the kingdom is advancing, that would be a real a big thing for us to miss.
1: Very much so. Yep, it's it's missing the main thing, I think. And, and uh, as we mentioned before, Jesus' prayer that he taught us to pray, which we call the Lord's Prayer, he said, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And as it yeah, he, he did mention it more than anything else. So it's something which was obviously very important to Jesus. And so it needs to be very important to us as followers of Jesus as well.
0: Nils, let me come back to the title of your new book. And it's called Bending Towards Justice, How Jesus is More Relevant Than Ever in the 21st Century. And uh, just to pick on those first three words in the title, Bending Towards Justice, for a moment, because... In some sense, people and a lot of Christians are involved with issues that we call social justice. And a lot of those social justice issues we could even identify as being hijacked by a whole bunch of people who have a very anti-God position on how those things ought to happen. The idea of identity politics and people who are in minorities who see themselves as victims and, and the politics that comes around all of those things is very significant. Those words bending towards justice in your title, how do you see those?
1: Well, um, firstly, that yeah, there are words from one of my great heroes, Martin Luther King, who said that uh, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. And what he was talking about, and that's the inspiration for this book, is that in the end, we know that that um, from Revelation, we see that, the, that Jesus, when he returns, that the kingdom of God will come on earth and be fully realized. So... That kingdom is one of, of what Jesus lived out, of, of love, of care for the poor, care for the outcast, um, which also care for the earth as well, and care for for everything that God said is good, so the creation. So that means that, um, that those things are essentially important, and so um, they're the things that we are to live for. And so if, you know, if other people who wouldn't call themselves Christian are going to live those out, then they're also part of God's work, I think. Too, they they might not realise it, um, they might not recognise it, might not even acknowledge it, and they probably a lot of them probably don't. But I believe they're also doing the work of God. Now, it's all it's all it's never perfect, you know. There are, um, I heard your previous um, guests um, speak. talk about um, you know the the riots that are going on in America at the moment. Um, and of course, we're not to condemn, we're sorry, we are to condemn violence. We're not to condone violence uh, in any way. But we're also to condemn the conditions that breed that violence as well. Martin Luther King himself, who, who said that quote, said that while we we are to condemn violence, we are to condemn the conditions that breed the violence. And he said that things like violence are the language of the unheard. And the unheard people are the very ones who Jesus spent most of his time with, the outcasts, the prostitutes, the sinners, the tax collectors, the ones who were most hated in society, the ones who no one wanted to hang around with. They're the ones who Jesus said, the kingdom is for you. And in his Sermon on the Mount, he said, blessed are the poor, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and justice, blessed are those who who mourn, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the peacemakers. They're the ones who... Who, who Jesus says are blessed and the kingdom is for
0: powerful insight and no doubt we'll be talking some more about bending towards justice as our conversation goes on let me pick up on the subtitle for your book how Jesus is more relevant than ever in the 21st century and so this is a powerful comment that you're making on the very cover of your book it's part of your title what do you mean by how Jesus is more relevant than ever in the 21st century when,
1: when we look at, at what's going on in the world now, and um, when I wrote this book, this, this book is the product of, of quite a few years of, of research and thinking, and out of my work of uh, working in aid and development for about 20 years as well. Wow. And if we look at the world, you know, we see, it's, you know, you have to be walking around with your eyes closed to see that there, there are not major problems. Um, and so, if Jesus is God in the flesh, if he is the one who created all this, and there are all these problems in the world there are um you know there's coronavirus and there is racism and there is um you know there's all sorts of problems climate change and so on and global poverty then if jesus is the center of existence then all of those things have to be relevant and so that's why he he is relevant now in a sense he's always been as relevant um as ever he's he's you know if you took it in a literal sense he's no more relevant now than he always has been but in a world where we see these problems, Jesus is is relevant today because what does Jesus have to say to the issues of the riots in the US and the murder of George Floyd? What does Jesus have to say about COVID-19 and how he respond to it? What does Jesus have to say about a changing climate, about the fact that fifteen to 17,000 children under five die every day of poverty-related disease? Does God care about that? Does Jesus care about that? Um, And so how is he relevant and then what is our response as followers of Jesus to those things?
0: And if we find ourselves as Christian believers on the periphery, looking in on the game and saying, I can see what needs to be done, I can see what the problems are, but I'm going to stay on the periphery and I'll just be a spectator, uh, then we might be letting ourselves down and missing what one of the main points would be that We are in the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is in us. We'll continue our conversation in just a few moments. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson. Helping you make sense of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Well, you can join in our conversation today, 1-800-316-316. And we're talking about a whole lot of issues. It's a big topic when we're talking about the kingdom of God, what that means to us and what that means for what motivates us as Christian believers. Our special guest is Nils von Kam. He's a Christian freelance writer. His new book is called Bending Towards Justice, how Jesus is more relevant than ever in the 21st century. Nils, let's talk about the kingdom for a moment here and how the effects of the kingdom actually permeate into a society because in my understanding, when we recognise that the kingdom comes, there's an effect. And the effect is in the alleviation of the poverty or the pain or what people are going through in their lives. Uh, When the kingdom comes, of course there's going to be this gracious, merciful intervention from God. When you think of the kingdom coming and the effects, what are you thinking of?
1: Basically the same thing, Neil. It's it's really, I mean, Jesus spoke about yeast spreading through the dough uh, in terms of the way the kingdom spreads. And so we see these outbreaks of love and hope and justice throughout the world, uh, and that's when we see the kingdom of God come on earth. N.T. Wright, who is a New Testament theologian uh, and who many of your listeners may be aware of, he talks about it in terms of what would it look like if God was running the show. That's the way he puts it. And it's, he talks about the kingdom of God being the reign of God on earth. And what does the reign of God on earth look like? Well, it doesn't look like racism. It doesn't look like uh, a changing climate where there are more extreme weather events. It doesn't look like a virus uh, causing a pandemic throughout the world and people dying. What it does look like is acts of love and kindness and mercy. And if you look at issues like global poverty, there have been those outbreaks of hope uh, for many years now. Back in 1990, about 35,000 children under the age of five were dying every day of poverty-related disease throughout the world. Today, that figure has halved. It's actually a bit less than half. It's about 16,000, 17,000 children under five dying every day now. Now, that's still obviously 16, 17,000 children, too many. But progress has been made. And that's, that's, that's part of the reign of God on earth. That's because of people devoting their lives to reduce poverty in different ways. It's through aid work, it's through trade, and it's through growing economies and so on. They're, they're outbreaks of the kingdom. And we see that too. We, we've, you know, I've seen it here in my local community in Melbourne in the last uh, few months where we see, um, despite, you know, with, with coronavirus um, basically stopping everything in our, in our society, we see, you know, panic buying over toilet paper and so on. But we also see outbreaks of kindness. You know, we have groups on Facebook called The Kindness Pandemic and, and, and things like that where people are looking out for each other a bit more because people are realising in a, in, a, in a situation where when our very foundation for life is taken out from under us in a lot of ways, and for a lot of us, the foundation is the economy, when that's taken out from under us and people lose their jobs, we, we look at and we realize what life is about and we see that really caring for each other, being kind to each other is much more important. Relationship is much more important. That's what life is about. And so people are seeing that and many people have gone out of their way to be kind to neighbors and get to know neighbors who they might not have ever known despite having lived next to them for many years. So they're, they're examples of the kingdom of God coming on earth as it is in heaven.
0: A little update on the question that I've asked on today's Facebook post. The question is, do you think the Bible concept of kingdom is for the future or for our present time? There's been a number of responses. Uh, The poll at this point says 53% are saying the kingdom is for the present. But there's 47% of listeners right now who are saying that the kingdom of God is for the future. Now, Matt says, in my opinion, the kingdom of God is both existing in the present and in the future. Morgan says the kingdom of God is eternal. Hannah says, would his kingdom have sin, disease, Satan? Asking that question, would his kingdom have sin, disease, Satan? And Glenn says, thy kingdom come, Lord's prayer, his will is not yet being done. And Nick says, I see it as both. Uh, what are your thoughts for, uh, for perhaps uh, some of the common threads in, in what listeners are saying there, Nils, uh, uh, whether you caught all yeah. those, uh, it's, it's a lot of thoughts there in one spot, but there's a few things that are common, yeah. what uh, listeners are responding to. I think
1: they're all correct in many, in different ways. They're, um, you know, the, the people who said it's for the presence um, is, is true as well. Like I said, you know, we see outbreaks of the kingdom coming, of God coming on earth now uh, yes it's not fully realized and, and it won't be fully realized until Jesus returns until the kingdom is fully consummated if you like um, and so we will see um, issues like poverty and disease continuing because we live in a fallen world and the people who said it's for the future well it, it is that as well because like i said that's when it's going to be fully fully realized and there won't be disease um, someone mentioned you know the Satan ruling that that won't be happening the kingdom of God is the kingdom that that we saw in the life death and resurrection of Jesus Uh, and that's a
0: life of loving God and loving neighbor so I think they're, they're all correct in different ways Nils what is your thought around the idea that a lot of Christian believers are afraid of a kingdom definition that means there is a political mindset involved that is political action involved because when we talk kingdom we're talking politics uh, because that's a, a structure there where a king rules uh, it's the mm. a use of power in all of that uh, way that the kingdom might be uh, out outworked what are your thoughts for the fear that some people have around the idea that kingdom might actually mean uh, rolling up your sleeves and getting involved in the dirty business of politics
1: yeah and politics often is a dirty business isn't it it, it really is uh, the politics really that the root of the word politics is is really about being for the people and it's about what kind of society do we want to live in um in, as we live today and and how is jesus relevant to that and as christians what what is our role to contribute to such a society and politics is really a central part of that because the reason for that is because we're to live lives of love, love of God and love of neighbor. And and that's what Jesus said. And Jesus was no doubt political as well. I mean, he, he said he's come to bring a different kingdom. And in his context, in first century Palestine, where the Roman Empire ruled, they they were threatened by the idea of another kingdom. And so that was part of the reason that Jesus was crucified. And the early Christians, part of the reason they were persecuted as well was because that they said that Caesar, the ruler of Rome, was not Lord, but no, Jesus was. There is a different king now. There is another king who comes in the name of love and peace and, and bringing peace on earth. And that king is, is, is the real true Lord and not Caesar. And for Rome, that was a threat because they were a powerful empire. And so that's why they were so That That's political. Um, and so if, you, if we're going to live authentic lives of following Jesus, we will no doubt be political. And we can't avoid being political. Now, whether that involves being overtly political or joining a political party or um, you know going to visit your MP, I think those are all good things. Um, I think... Certainly, yes, politics, as we see it is especially in our country, is very adversarial, you know and um, and you know but there, there are Christians in politics on from all sides. there are committed Christians in in the government, in the coalition, there are committed Christians in the labour Party in the greens and other parties as as well.
0: Well, very few evangelical Christians would say you should not vote. Uh, we all take that, very much to heart and take that as responsibility that it is our option and it is our right to be able to cast our vote. And when we do that, we're being political. So uh, what it is behind the way we might cast our vote, an image of the kingdom. And if you don't have the image of the kingdom in a biblical sense, then uh, you might be swayed around by all sorts of things. So digging a little deeper and understanding the kingdom here, no doubt a very important aspect of how we might even vote.
1: And and more than that, too. I mean, the everyday choices we make
0: in in the things
1: we buy when we go shopping, we, we are being political whether we realise it or not. So when we buy our coffee, do we buy fair trade coffee and not coffee that is um, made by children who are working as slaves in West Africa, for example? When we buy chocolate, are we buying fair trade chocolate and not chocolate that is produced, again, by young children um, in, in cocoa fields being exploited and not being able to go to school. So they're, they're political decisions because they affect the lives of people. Being political is simply about uh, being, being doing things which affect the people in, in the best or worst way, and so we want to treat people the best way we can. And so that is being political,
0: Neil's. Before we develop things a little further, why don't we take a call? Let's hear from Bruce, who is on the line from Wondai in Queensland. Hi, Bruce. Welcome. Hi. How are you guys? Very well, Bruce. What are your thoughts? Uh,
2: I I guess it's more of a question than than a thought. Um, Neil's been talking quite a bit about the um, the plight of children. And it doesn't matter where you go. What he what he's saying is very right. Children are, are used and abused in so many different ways. But uh, one one point that I would raise, and perhaps a question I would ask: seventy thousand Australian babies are are murdered every year, or seventy thousand plus through abortion. Isn't that the ultimate child abuse? Isn't that the ultimate selfishness of? human adults that want to enjoy every pleasure of Egypt and shun the responsibilities
0: that come with it. Bruce, you're pointing out the obvious. And uh, Nils, have you got a thought or two for Bruce?
1: It's certainly a great question, Bruce. And, and the issue of abortion is, is a major problem as well, um, as are as many other things. And you raise a very good point. Um, the we, we need to... You know, care about people whether they're unborn or whether they're born, um, and I think the issue of abortion is, you know, certainly yeah, with, with babies dying. I think it's it's um, not so um, uh, it's it's very easy. I think to paint it as a very black and white issue and to see it as as just an issue of selfishness. I think there are reasons too um, where people, uh, particularly in in poorer areas. Um, are, are unable to, to care for children as well. Um, and so there are different issues in, in terms of um, selfishness. It depends how we, what, what we call selfishness as well. It's, um, it's one of those things where we can look at how, how people are treated and what are the circumstances that lead people to do things and what, what is a response of compassion to the mother who, who aborts their child um, as well as the, obviously, the child as well. So they're all issues of, of life. And if we're going to be pro-life, pro, pro life, then we need to be pro-life for children before they're born and after they're born as well. Bruce? I hope that answers the question.
0: Did that answer the question, yeah,
2: I, Bruce? I, it, it basically, yeah. Um, I, I guess when you... <clears throat> we've talked about the uh, the COVID things and that sort of thing. It's generated a level of fear in the community because that can affect me. Mm. Uh, And the the government has found billions of dollars for all sorts of support programs. Surely, as a society, we can look at some of these other issues and rather than just legalise the the abortion industry and close out any opportunity to, to minister to those people, it's just almost black and white. Yep. Haven't we got the resources as a society to invest into into those lives, into those women, into those that are hurting?
0: Bruce, it seems to me the resources are all there. That's not the issue. What we've got here is an ideological issue and uh, it's also a modern feminist issue around the issue of abortion and uh, it's going to take people who have a kingdom mindset to not just think through the issues but also be active in those issues for that to continue to gain momentum because there is real momentum dealing with the abortion issue but you can see just how contentious it is in a culture war that's going on around the world but uh, Nils mm-hmm. any further thought there for Bruce
1: Yeah again we've we've shown you know in the last few months with the government spending money on on different things like job keeper and job seeker and so on to keep people in jobs as much as possible, that, as you said, Neil, the resources are there. Um, the, re- the issue is, is the will there to do that and to continue doing that and putting resources into uh, resources for children, uh, for women uh, later on. When things get back to some semblance of normality, um, currently, for example, the JobKeeper um, payments are due to expire at the end of September, and so what happens then um, to people? So we have seen that the resources are there um, and we've seen that, that government help um, can be done and um, can be spent on things that matter. So I think it's up to us then to, um, to go and visit our local member of parliament, um, give them a call or go and visit them and, and say, look, you know, you've, we've, we've done these things. It's been a great response. Um, How can we continue this and continue to care for people who are struggling?
0: Bruce from Wandai, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to join into our conversation today. Uh, There is a sense here, Nils, let's take things a little deeper here. We've been talking about this idea of working for justice. Not just having an opinion about it, but actually having a conviction that converts into some level of action. And that can happen in all sorts of different ways. And in fact, there's so much to work with, uh, it's a matter of taking a choice. And if we're talking ideological issues, uh, sometimes we get involved with causes that might be driven by all sorts of... Uh, even uh, utopian ideas that people have about how they're going to change the world and they're coming often from a mm-hmm. godless position so so far as getting involved working for justice from a godly position what does that look like
1: it, it involves coming at it from the point of view of what does it mean to follow jesus i mean what i'm trying to get across in the book and 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 the writing i do is what does it look like if if as nc writes is if if the reign of God is coming on earth and God and the life of Jesus has to be central to all of this. We're we're not trying to set up some socialist utopia, um, some a kingdom without a king. We're setting up um, and working with God for the kingdom to come on earth and for the king, Jesus, to reign. And so that's, that's the thing. That's where Jesus has to be central to all of this. Um, And I, I think he is central to all of it because of who he is, but, we have to keep Jesus central and say that we, we do these things, not to set up, as I said, some uh, godless kingdom, but we do this because we are Christian. It, it is actually an outworking of our Christian faith, and our, our Christian faith in following Jesus um, leaves us no option but to follow him to the places where he went. When Jesus said to his disciples, um, as as but you know, I, I, as I send you, and I send you as I as I've been sent. He basically said, "In I think it was in John's Gospel," and he says that um, to do that, we think of how is or where has Jesus been sent? He was sent to those who, who were poor, who were outcasts. I mentioned before the the prostitute, the tax collectors, the sinners, and so our, us living out that is to go towards those who are outcast as well, and to to show them the love of God. So. Love and Jesus have to be central to all of this and our outworking of works of justice and so on come out of that and because we are Christian.
0: Working for justice because we are Christian, that's an important point you're making there because you mentioned that uh, there are lots of people working to build what you said was a socialist utopia. And sometimes we talk about socialism uh, very aligned to the idea of communism, a godless system. We can even say secular Australia means godless Australia by the way that that definition really has changed too. So if Christians are working for justice and there's this label that's put on a lot of what seemingly are good causes called social justice – and oftentimes, that's all run by a socialist agenda, a godless agenda, people building what they think is a new socialist utopia. Somehow or other, and I'll get your thoughts here, Nils, we have to be able to differentiate between what it is to be a Christian working for justice. With a godly cause, and not just being consumed by somebody else's socialist utopian ideas. What are your thoughts here for just this separation for your thinking as a Christian believer?
1: I think it's. I think we can work together with with people who don't acknowledge um, God in the work they do. Um, I think part of what they're doing is 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 working for the kingdom as well, because the, the kingdom of God is physical. It's material. It's spiritual social it's everything the the, the jewish concept concept of shalom is is a very important one to look at in this and when people um you know there are going to be people that's uh, protesting tomorrow um in certainly in melbourne and probably in other cities around the country as well about um indigenous deaths in custody and related to the murder of george floyd in the u.s and most of those people won't be christian and and most of those people will have an a an idea of god if you ask them they'll be quite anti and some will be indifferent and and there'll be many christians there as well and so i think we can all work together i think um a lot of this stuff is to do with the fact that we you know we're all i think we're all made in the image of god whether we're christian or not we're all made in god's image and we have this this sense of this this moral law inside of us i guess um, and if you look at the the early Christians who I often often look at, not just in the Book of Acts, but in the first few centuries, you know, if it, certainly if you look in Acts two and Acts four, it says that the the first Christians they they shared everything they had. They lived a life of what you might call communalism, where they, they there was no ownership of private property. They shared everything they had, and no one was in need, so there was no poverty in that in their community. So. We are called as Christians to be a light on a hill, if you like, um, and to to that alternative kingdom where we see that God is King, and we and we again we do this stuff because because of Him. But we can we can work together with people who are um, are not Christian, and you know we our, our methods might be the same, or they might be different. Um, certainly. Um, The methods I would choose would be ones which are are peace-loving and which are non violence and which are um, advocating for those who are treated poorly, um, like many of our Indigenous brothers and sisters are.
0: Well, what a significant question comes out of those sorts of thoughts that you're presenting, Nils, and talking about those protesters who'll be on the streets tomorrow and talking about Aboriginal deaths in custody, uh, the relationship there between what's going on in the United States. There's a question that arises here that really brings out where we're at as a Christian church. Who drives the agenda? Because, as you say, we ought to be there on the streets peacefully protesting in favour of the ways that there could be an alleviation of those uh, Aboriginal incarcerations. But we're not the ones who are driving this. And we might say, why is it not that the Christian church hasn't called this walk on the streets, this protest, before those who are driven by these other utopian agendas? Uh, give us some thoughts here, yeah. because this really sets a bit of a context. It says we're actually playing catch-up all the time as Christians, whereas we ought to be actually setting the agenda.
1: It's a question I, I agonise over a lot, Neil, as well. It's, um, it's a good question. Why, why, why are Christians not at the forefront of this? And having said that, in many aspects, Christians are at the forefront of this as well. If you look at, the again, the history of, of the church of in two, over 2,000 years the the beginning, you know, the the, the work to the abolitionist movement to end slavery was almost totally a Christian movement led by William Wooloforce and John Wesley and and others. Um, The first hospitals were set up by Christians um, back in in the early centuries. And so our legacy has been set up by by, by Christians, really. They care for the poor and so on. Uh, Even things like universities, that's a different issue. But all those things have Christian roots and so um, that's what it all comes out of. Um, and so that's that's how we, we can do it. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure if that answers your question. Uh,
0: well, you know, it draws attention to the fact that in the George Floyd case in the United States, there was a memorial held overnight. And, of course, George Floyd was a man of faith. And so mm-hmm. you have uh, the memorial service uh, being driven by very passionate Christian leaders Uh, There's a sense here in which what we could do is uh, perhaps take a leaf out of that because the leaders who are speaking out uh, in this case, and there did need to be this connection, no doubt, because George Floyd was a man of faith, a Christian believer, that it gave Christian leaders then an opportunity to be able to speak. That's an important element there, and uh, something here that perhaps when we look at tomorrow's protest, whether we'll see any Christian leaders up front uh, sprouting uh, some thoughts about uh, kingdom responsibility. Responsibility. I don't think we will be seeing that, but but there's a challenge there, isn't there?
1: Certainly there is a challenge, yeah. And I think it goes back to, again, how, how do we view the gospel? I mean, uh, certainly uh, the, the church, you know, the, the, the environment that I grew up in in the church was one which the gospel was a very uh, much about the individual and about your own relationship with God uh, and their own your own personal morality, all of which are very important. But there was this lack of a sense of living that out in, the, in a sense of, um, of, of of social issues and social justice and so on. And so that's where I think once we we get more of a grasp, but this is where we need to teach more from the pulpit about the the justice aspects of God and the fact that there are over 2,000 verses throughout the scriptures which talk about God's concern for the poor and and for, and for the marginalized. And so we need to talk about that more from our pulpits and churches and not just about our individual relationship with God. And so once we do that, and once we get out there and and live those those lives of sacrifice and love for others, with, and again, which many, 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 many Christians are doing, um, I think of one group called Love Makes a Way, which is a Christian movement which uh, looks to um, take care of asylum seekers and and. Speak to our government leaders about the conditions in which asylum seekers are kept that 's a christian movement, and they 're going out of their way to to do that and they sit in sit in the offices of members of parliament and and sing sing songs sing Christian songs and they sit there and pray in silence and um, they eventually some of them get arrested um, but and, and it's a non-violent protest against the conditions of asylum seekers because they're doing it because they're Christian, because they care, because they want to live out what they see Jesus doing as well.
0: Let's take another call. Let's hear from Val in Slade Point. Hello, Val. Welcome along. Hi.
3: I'm not in Slade Point, but it would be nice. Okay. <laughs>
0: I'm in Mackay. In Mackay. Val from Mackay. Wonderful to hear from you, Val. What are your thoughts for our conversation today?
3: Well, I'm pleased to hear the man talking. Um. The cross is about reclaiming the earth for the kingdom. And God's agenda is the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what Jesus taught us to pray. That's the priority prayer. And um, a lot of Christians have very little concept about that. And uh, it's all about... When the rapture is going to take place and take us out of here, and uh, it's it's as you say, it's it it covers many areas, but it is spiritual, mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit works with with um, with us when we have God's agenda. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we lock in with with what God wants to do, the Holy Spirit will work with that, and and the next great revival that comes, the awakening um, will um, the church will rise up in the power of the spirit and uh, Val,
0: good it's, thoughts it's, there uh, something there to work with, that, Nils, your thoughts for Val? Yeah, again, thanks
1: for your thoughts Val and I, 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 I agree with you again, I think one of the things that we, we haven't talked about much which I think is really important is is the value of prayer we, we can't do this without God. And so I want to emphasize, too, that we, it's not us who are bringing the kingdom of God on earth. We are, we are working with God. We can't do it on our own. We are working with God to transform the world. And a major part of that is prayer, because prayer is an acknowledgment that we need God. Um, we, we're asking God to fill us with his Holy Spirit so we can go out in that power, to love um, others in, in Jesus' name and and to transform the world that way. So I wrote an article some years ago um, asking what does prayer have to do with ending poverty? And I think prayer is central because it's us uh, beseeching God to, to be with us and to give us that power to live lives of love and not fear um, and to, to work in the power of the Spirit to do the work of Jesus
0: Powerful thought there, if you want to work hand in hand with God in a commission, and we talk about the Great Commission, but if you want to work hand in hand with God, how can you do that without prayer? Val from Mackay, thank you so much for your call. Let's sneak in one more call because we're running short of time. Diane is on the line from Horsham in Victoria. Diane, welcome.
3: Hello. Hello. How are you today?
0: Very well. Need to be quick, Diane. What are your thoughts?
3: Okay. Uh, okay, I will be quick. It's been a great um, uh, conversation. I just have a little um, query on what we're talking about with the protesting on uh, tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I thought that we were still supposed to be in, in Victoria, at least, which is where I am, in some sort of quarantine. So I'm thinking as a Christian, we should actually be obeying what we're supposed to be doing rather than going out.
0: You raise you raise a really big topic and uh, I'm sure we could talk for a long time about this because, yes, the controversy is that while there have been all sorts of very large fines that have been issued to people over the past couple of months because they have not been social distancing, uh, all of a sudden you've got this hands-off and everybody, no doubt, will be in close proximity during a protest. It really is something of a hypocritical response wherever there might be marches that are happening tomorrow. But uh, Nils, uh, very quickly, a response here for Diane.
1: It's a good question. It's, it's a quandary, isn't it? Really, you know, we, we are supposed to be um, doing what the government has said and, and doing the, the physical distancing, um, and yeah, going out to protest. I mean, it's. I, I'm glad this is happening now and not two months ago. You know, we, we've 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 flattened the curves um, in terms of coronavirus, um, and you know, we've, we're we're pretty close to to having dealt with it. And so I think it's much better that um, this, a march like this is happening now and not a couple of months ago when things were looking very dire. Um, and so um, I'm not sure how the, the authorities tomorrow are going to handle that. Um, obviously, you know, um, people will be very in very close proximity to each other. Um, but this is such an important issue as well because the, the murder of George Floyd has highlighted the the appalling treatment of Indigenous people in our country where we've had... Um, 432 uh, indigenous people die in custody since the royal commission in 1991 and there have been no convictions um, since that time and that's an issue of justice and that's an issue that god cares about and i i believe firmly that jesus would be out in the streets tomorrow as well um, being non-violent being peaceful but being out there
0: Uh, Diane, uh, let me just say, uh, let's make that an issue of your conscience as a Christian believer as to whether you should uh, obey the... Uh, encouragement and uh, you're in Victoria, the encouragement of Premier Andrews or whether you'll be out on the streets and, uh, and of course uh, there's a different set of circumstances there in New South Wales. I think there's going to be another protest in Sydney tomorrow as well uh, so uh, just uh, your conscience as to how, as to whether you'll be on the street. Diane, thank you so much for your call. We have run out of time but there might be listeners wanting to get a hold of Nils von Kam's new book and uh, he's addressing these sorts of issues. His book is called "Bending Towards Justice: How Jesus is more relevant than ever in the twenty first century. Now, you can get the book certainly going to nil's website. Now n von Kam is n v o n k l a k a l m, so n v o n k a l m dot uh, Nils, you also have a website called soulthoughts.com and that's something of a blog, yeah. is it? Uh, what what will people see when yeah. they go to your to your blog?
1: They'll see a lot of the thoughts which we've spoken about today. Um, I actually haven't updated that blog for a couple of years now because I tend to use Facebook more as a blog. So if people wanted to engage with these sort of things um, they can find me on Facebook. Um, I have a, a page for the book called Bending Towards Justice. Or there's also, um, I share most of my things on my own personal Facebook wall, which if you just just um, type in my name, Nils von Kahn, um, you'll find me that way. So if you wanted to engage with those things, you can do it um, do it through there. And the, the book is also available via Coventry Press, which is the publisher. So coventrypress.com.au uh the publishers and you can get it from their website as well.
0: Great. Coventrypress.com.au, Nils von Kalm. the website nvonkamm.com. And uh, Nils, just great getting your insights today. Uh, Hopefully we'll get a chance to have another conversation. There will be a podcast of this conversation up later on today too because I know listeners might want to listen again to some of the finer points that were made. Easy to miss some important things in a longer conversation. But Nils, thanks so much for being with us on Twenty Twenty.
1: Thank you very much, Neil. It's great to be with you. Thanks for the opportunity.
2: Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.